If you have your Bibles, open to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We were sitting at home several years ago, and the phone rang. And on the other end of the phone was a lady who was close to hysterics. And we had about 30 minutes before they were showing up at our house. Because her husband had had an affair. Again. And so they show up at our house, both he and her. And all the pain and all the hurt. She starts expressing. And he makes an honest admission. And an honest confession but it wasn't the first time so how do you handle that how does something like that happen with a professed Christian You know how it happens. Do you just meet somebody and say, Oh, today would be a good day to flush it all? Is that how it happens? No. It starts up here, don't it? It starts in your mind. And for whatever reason... Whatever issue, whatever junk is going on in your life, for some reason now, you think you might be happier over here. And in your mind, you start playing a scenario. And maybe it's while you're at work and... She treats you or he treats you nicer than your husband treats you or your wife treats you. And all of a sudden you start realizing, I enjoy spending time with this person more than my wife or my husband because they're nicer to me. And then maybe there's this innocent touch. And it tingles all through your body. And what's going on? Your mind starts playing out this scenario. And you don't see any danger. All you see is the moment and it feels so good and then the act and then the cover up gotta hide it now don't we and at some point the exposure 
how can a person go from one day everything seems to be in rhythm and the next day they're willing to flush it all. Your mind. Satan attacks your thinking. You see, there's a lot of voices out there that you can listen to. You can listen to the voice of man. You can listen to the voice of the world. You can listen to the voice of yourself. I know you talk to yourself. I do. The problem is when you get caught talking to yourself. And Satan has his voice. And see, sometimes Satan's voice sounds so much like good. Sometimes Satan's voice is sweet and smooth. Seductive even. You don't have to live life long as a Christian to realize that the devil has a desire to destroy you. And he has a desire and, and he's subtle and he's, he's slick and he, he, he comes in to, 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 to work in your life and he starts the same way. He starts by engaging your brain, by engaging your mind. And so you as a child of God, you have got to learn how the Bible says to take every thought captive. Now look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, begin reading with verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Is that an easy task? It's not for me. How about you? I find that it is a challenging task because it never ends. It is 24-7. Because, see, when things come across my mind, I have to make a choice. Will I embrace this or will I reject this? And if I embrace this, I have given access sometimes to the enemy. And when I give access to the enemy through my brain waves, he starts stimulating more stuff. And what he stimulates looks pleasing to my flesh for the moment. But it's costly. And so your challenge is the same as mine. How do I take every thought captive? I have a fifth or sixth cousin. I don't know which. I didn't know I was kin to this person for years. She was married to my high school history teacher. She worked at a bank for years. And they came to her door, the federal authorities, knocked a hole in her bedroom wall, and they retrieved stacks of money that she had been embezzling for a long period of time. 
Now, did she just go to work one day and say, I think today would be a good day that I could take a little bit of cash and help out when the things get rough. Is that how it worked? No. See, see, at some point, she went to work and she thought, I wonder how easy it would be for me to take what does not belong to me and take it to my house and take possession of it. And, and I, I'm smart enough and I'm good enough. I can get by with it. See, see, it didn't happen in a moment. It happened with a thought. And when they gave attention to the thought and they did not stop the thinking process, then they formulated a plan. And the plan seemed to be foolproof. And the plan seemed to work. And she got it home over periods of time. And and nobody knew. And nobody understood. And all of a sudden, everybody's shocked that she's going to the pen. Satan attacks your thinking. Now listen. I wrote this down so I won't say it wrong. Satan's attacks are often very subtle but decisive. And you must actively resist or you're in danger of being ensnared in greater levels of sin and bondage. The initial thought is the most dangerous stage of temptation. The initial thought is the most dangerous stage of temptation. If you don't stop it, it will escalate and you will take it as truth. Yet it's a lie. But as you dwell on this truth, you ultimately take action based on the lie that you have believed. And as you take action based on a lie that you have accepted as truth... Oh, he will make me happy. Oh, she will satisfy me. When you make, take action based on the lie you have embraced as truth, you escalate yourself into deeper and fuller bondage, and, and then you're enslaved. The Bible, all throughout, expresses the importance of how you think. Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so he is. Isaiah 26, 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in every... Be careful in nothing. Be careful for... But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Romans 12, 2, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Your thought life is critically important. Your thought life will determine whether or not you will go forth in faith into the glory and into the kingdom of God or 
you live a life of defeat. When the thought first comes into your mind, that's when you have to deal with it. Because if you don't, it's like it's got roots and it starts growing. And the way you protect yourself is you have to focus on Christ. Now hear me. If you're a blood-bought, born-again child of God, you've got the enabling of the Holy Spirit of God inside your life. He will help you. He will enable you. He will equip you. But he won't do it for you. And your personal responsibility is the same as my personal responsibility. See, see, the battle is for your mind. The battle is for your thinking. How you think. Because the devil has one desire for your life. He wants to kill. He wants to steal. And he wants to destroy you. And he doesn't care if he does it in 10 minutes. Or he does it in 10 years. Or he does it in 30 years. He wants to kill your testimony. He wants to kill your relationship. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to take, kill, steal, destroy, steal all that God wants to pour upon you. Why? Because you as a child of God, you are to be a reflection of Christ Jesus to a lost and dying world. You as a child of God, blood-bought, filled with the Spirit of God, you are to reflect God to a lost and dying world. And therefore, you influence and you impact others around you for the kingdom of God. Or you can influence them for the kingdom of Satan. And if the devil can render you ineffective... You're of no use. And he doesn't really concern himself. You say, I didn't know that's what I signed up for when I got saved. <laughs> Surprise! When you accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you were enlisted in the army of God. And you became Public enemy number one to the devil. You say, not me, I'm a pacifist. No, you're not. That won't help you. Because when you accepted Christ, the devil hates Christ, he hates God, he hates the kingdom of God. And that he's at war with God, he's at war with Christ, he's at war with the kingdom of God. And you as a child of God, he is at war with you. And you entered into a spiritual battle. It is not flesh and blood that we are fighting with. It is a spiritual battle. And the battlefront oftentimes is God's inside our thinking. But hear me, the revelation tells us that the battle was won. And we can praise God for that. But we've got to live until the rapture or till we meet Jesus. Jesus, you understand that? And so we want it to be realized daily in our life. And the principle, this is what amazes me sometimes. You look in Genesis chapter 2, the first or second principle that God teaches Adam. Remember? He said, first thing he said to Adam was, he said, look out over the garden. You have dominion over that. He said, Adam, you have authority over 
the garden. Now, how did Adam have authority? Because he knew the authority of God in his life. And it's only as you know the authority of God in your life and you yield to that, that you can have the authority in your life. And then God said, Adam, there's 4,000 trees that bear fruit in the garden. Now, that's my paraphrase. You can eat of any fruit of the tree in the garden, but one. Why? If we can have 3,999 choices, options, do we want this one? He said, you can eat all this, but this one. And the principle I've told you is that of self-restraint. It's the first or so principle God teaches man. You have to learn to say no. Quit living to merely gratify your flesh. You don't live you don't live for the moment. You as a child of God, you are going to live for eternity. And you've got to get this kingdom perspective that I'm not just living for the moment, but I'm going to live for eternity. And so, so you are in a battle because the devil wants to kill, he wants to steal, he wants to destroy your life. And what happens is the battle rages inside your mind, right? You can be sitting here as calm as a cucumber for all I know. And you can be sitting here thinking, man, this is just wonderful. What a wonderful day. But I don't realize what's going on inside your life because inside your life right now, the enemy is attacking you. The enemy is coming at you you and the enemy is wearing your thought processes out and what happens is satan has looked at your life just like he's looked at my life and he studies how we live and he says i look and i see that mark has this vulnerability in his life and because i know the vulnerability in mark's life i'm going to put a situation together where mark is in a vulnerable spot and he does the same thing for you whatever it may be he looks for that point of vul- i don't know if i'm saying that word right vulnerability And he comes and he brings a temptation in that area so that you will have to make a choice and you have to say, I choose self-restraint because I see beyond the moment. I see beyond the pleasure of the immediate and I'm going to live for the kingdom and the glory of God. He studies us. Satan's been around a long time and he knows human nature. And as he knows human nature, he knows the thinking process. He he says, I know that your thoughts control your feelings. Would you agree with that? I mean, when Kentucky wins, some of y'all are just, oh, preacher, shut up. When they win, you're exuberant, right? But when the blue loses... And especially if they lose to somebody else that wears orange or red or something like that, you know. Doesn't happen very often. We know that. We know that. See, the devil knows that, 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 that your thoughts control your feelings. The feelings are the most superficial part of us. Do you realize that? We act like they're just everything. But they're, they're, they're so shallow. 
But it all starts with our thought process. And so the devil wants to engage our thinking. He wants to pass this thought overhead. And we start thinking, I wonder what it would be like to be with him. I wonder what it would be like to be with her. I wonder what it would be like to have that much money. I wonder what it would be like to experience this, to experience that. He starts with with planning this thought in our mind. And, And so he knows that our thoughts control our feelings. And our feelings control our Choices. Choices. Right? How many thoughts do you have every day? A gazillion? I mean, that's a pretty good amount. I don't know how many zeros is on that. That's a lot. See, see, we have hundreds of thousands of thoughts every single day. And with a thought, God expects, requires us to make a choice. And the choices that you have to make are the same type of choices I have to make. Will I choose to live in line with the kingdom of God? Because I've created to live for all eternity, not for just 70 years or 90 years or 100 years. He's created me to live for eternity with him, not in this mortal body, but he's created me for eternity, not for just this moment, but in this moment, he is equipping me he is working on my life and so he says make right choices your feelings control your choices and we have to understand how we make those choices you've heard the phrases that feels good do it Well, that does pay dividends, doesn't it? They can last a long, long, long time. Because as soon as the feeling's gone, you're still reaping the consequences. Here's what I've noticed about several people throughout life. The Bible teaches you will reap what you sow. You understand that? You sow Corn, you reap potatoes. No, corn. We sow and then we pray for crop failure. I've seen, that's how a lot of people live, right? I'm going to do this and then I'll just pray I have crop failure. Doesn't work that way. Because we reap what we sow. And so... We have to understand you can't live just based on feelings. But the devil knows how we think impacts our feelings and our feelings impact our choices. And our feelings are part of our emotions. And they're so shallow and they're so superficial. Now, listen, I love emotions. Life would be very boring if we did not have emotions, if we did not have feelings. But they are the surface level stuff. It's not the depth. It's not where God wants us to be at all times. But he says you have to make choices not just based on what you think is going to make you happy, but you have to make choices but you think is going to be best for the kingdom of God what's going to be about God's will and God's plan but you can't be controlled by your emotions but my thoughts control my emotions and my emotions control my feelings now don't panic if I were to say there's a snake under your feet Kim 
many people in this room would be standing in the pews. Why? There's not anything good about snakes for most people's mindsets. And we thought there's a snake, it's dangerous. If I say, it's just a rubber snake. My, my son, when he was a little boy, he had full run of the church during the week. And we had a stage similar to this, except it was hollow. And he would go and put rubber snakes under the stage so my janitor, when she is vacuuming, she could find us. And you would hear Betty squalling. But when you realize it's not real, that changes your whole thinking process, doesn't it? If you believe something for truth, but it's a lie, you're in a dangerous place. And so you have to understand your responsibility as a Christian is to, to take every thought captive and to focus on Christ. You go to the doctor and you run the test and you're waiting for the results and your mind can go crazy, right? Exactly. We're people of emotion. It brings stress into our lives. But what we have to do is intentionally strive to focus upon our God is so great. Our God is so big. There's nothing our God cannot do. Our God is so great. Our God is so big. There's nothing our God cannot do. That's what we've got to focus on. But it takes an act of intentionality, it takes an act of determination, and it takes an act of faith to focus in that fashion. And what happens is when our relationship at home is not what we would like it to be, and it looks greener in another pasture, we need to realize it's green where it gets fertilized. And when we look and find our situation financially, it's not what we would like it to be, that we have a responsibility to be stewards of the very Word of God, the truth of God, the finances that God has given us, and trust God to work in our lives. And we may go through difficult days. And we may go through lean days. And we may go through seasons of loss. But hear me. God is greater than anything that we have could come up with. I just lost a hearing aid. Listen to me. Your responsibility is like mine. When the thought hits me, I've got to evaluate it where it came from. You're driving down the road, minding your own business. you got praise music on. You're singing, you're praying. Then the billboard shows up. And your mind instantly. It's not a sin. See, the devil is going to dive bomb you just like birds looking for a place to land. But you have the ability to reject that thought. In the power of Jesus' name, say it out loud. In the power of Jesus' name, I reject that thought. And then you start singing to the glory of God. God created you and me both, everybody, the same way. You as human beings, we cannot focus and concentrate on two things at the same time. And so when we start singing, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that save a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. That starts filling our mind. And when it starts filling our mind, the other thought has to flee. The other thought 
God has to be pushed back. And then we start quoting scripture. That's why you need to memorize the word of God. Whereby you can quote, he that abideth in the secret place of the most high. See, see, you, you, you start engaging your brain to oppose, to reject the thought that has just come into your mind. And, and sometimes you say, well, it's not just the, the, the thinking, it's the situation. Then you have to get out of that situation. But you don't have to embrace every thought. You don't. Read Romans 6. Yield. Yield your body. Yield your life. So, so, so here's, here's the battle plan. Your calling is just the same as mine. Every thought that comes to our mind. This is why Christianity and living the Christian life is not just going to church on Sunday. If that's all you got, you're missing most of it. Because see, Monday through Saturday, I have real challenges. How about you? Monday through Saturday, there's real temptations that come in and out my life. How about you? And so I have to understand that Monday through Saturday, I have to learn how to embrace Christ and to reject these thoughts that are not of Christ. And any thought that comes into my mind, I have to evaluate it. Does this honor Christ or does it not? So we turn on the television. Is that honoring Christ? Or is it not? See, guys, we want to coast. And coasting gets us nowhere but over-inundated with the devil. And then we say, I just don't understand, preacher. Every thought, it's 24, and there's days I do this great. And there's days I don't do it well at all. And so, so, so your, your calling is to say, Lord, does this honor you? Or does it feed my flesh and create in me desires that, that I don't need? You say, well, what's the big deal? Well, you can go with us tonight to Muhlenberg. And I've been saying Mecklenburg, not the other Berg you all think I'm saying. And you can meet 25 ladies who lay down in their racks and their mind is consuming them. And how do I stop the cycle? You say, well, it's no big deal. Well, yeah, it is. Because you're created for eternity, not just the moment. And God says, in the moment, I'm going to fashion you and shape you and make you so that when you end in eternity you receive everything everything that I intended for you and eternity is a long 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 time 
And so, so is it honoring of Christ? If, if you look at Romans chapter 7, here's where the problem comes from. Romans chapter 7. And this is a tongue twister if you read verses 21 to 25. But it says, I find that a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in its members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I Thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. You see, see there's this principle of indwelling sin. And, and, and before you, you, you come to Christ, you're a sinner by nature, you're a sinner by choice, you're a sinner by attitude, you're a sinner by action. And, and we've got this, this, this sin inside us, it dwells in us, and there's a power of indwelling sin inside our life. But when you meet Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost of God, the Spirit of God, He comes into your life, He breaks the power of sin, He cancels the debt of sin, He enables you to live by God's power and in God's grace and in God's mercy. He enables you to stand for the glory of God. But every single day, you have to make a conscious, deliberate choice. Am I going to live to satisfy Mark? Am I going to live to satisfy Shar? Am I going to live to satisfy myself? Or am I going to live to satisfy my God and my King who gave His Son's life on Calvary for me? And I have to make that choice to live in the new man, Christ Jesus, putting off the old man and put on the new man in Christ. Every day. Every day. If you don't, every day, we start to slide. And it gets easier and easier. And we don't even see any consequences. We do pretty good for a while, for weeks, for months. And then we wake up one day and we say, how did I get so far away? How how did I get so cold? Church doesn't even mean anything to me anymore. How did I allow this into my life and this into my family and this into my home? Because we coasted. And we didn't take every thought captive. Now, preacher, I've blown it. So have I. I've messed up. What do I do? You come one more time to the cross and you say, Jesus, I failed, I've sinned. I need fresh cleansing, fresh forgiveness. And today, today, God, I commit to you. And God, from this day forward, I just And so when you engage in that conversation with that person of the opposite sex and all of a sudden you think this is pretty nice. Red light! I wake up some people there. Warning! Flee! 
How do you know when God is speaking to you? Well, when you wake up and you say, I'm just a loser, realize God never would call his child a loser. That's the devil speaking to you. When you wake up and you think, today is a day I'm going to end it. I'm going to take my life. I'm going to commit suicide. That's not God. That is Satan coming to destroy, to kill, to steal everything about you. You recognize where that thought came from. It is not of God. And you reject it in Jesus' name. And you flee in Jesus' name. And you say, God, I need your help now. I'm desperate for you. And you go and you find a place where you can get on your face and you cry out. Because we have a loving God who loves to take his sheep when they are hurt and pick them up and draw them close to himself. He gives forgiveness. But he says, learn, take every thought captive. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior. You've never cried out to Him under the convicting power of the Holy Spirit and been born again. And today I invite you that if you would just obey God as He has squeezed your heart, as He has disturbed your soul, He's bringing the convicting power of the Spirit of God in your life. I, I ask you just, just to, to come and, and we can show you with an open Bible what it means to be saved, how to be saved, how to call out to Him. Won't you come? He who gives cleansing of sin, He gives forgiveness of sin, His grace is abundant, His mercy is extended. Won't you come and meet Him? And maybe you find yourself in that situation where you've not crossed that line, maybe. But you've entertained this thinking. And you realize maybe that the devil's trying to kill me, steal me, destroy me. I've got to lay this down. Altar's open. If you need to do business with the Father, please don't put it off. See, the time to obey God is the time He speaks to you because that's the only time that you can get through to Him in this capacity. As they sing, as you stand, obey God. <laughs>